Welcome to episode 17 of The Under Channel, the original bullshit podcast. Uh, this is Robert Under. With me as always, I got Aaron. Hey, guys. How's everybody doing on this fine October evening? Along for the ride, we've got Steve. Hi. Well, I'm happy to be back. And newcomer to the show, though not newcomer to our lives, we've got Justin Dead. Justin Dead. What up? Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I'm just going to, we'll start off with this. Uh, I just bought my bass. Um... I think I need to learn the uh, how to play the theme song to this show as like the first thing I know how to play, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, probably a good idea. It's all bass. You know? Be shout out to Shizmansk. Uh, uh, if you hear this, you got to teach me how to play that bass line so I can uh, actually rep the show when I'm walking around the house. <laughs> walking around naked, playing the under-channel bass line. So uh, I'd say it's going to end up probably being a shorter week this week, guys. We've only got a couple segments. we got our introduction with our news stories. Uh, we're going to talk Venture Brothers finale, which uh, may go on a little long, but we're just going to try to keep that one to uh, just about this episode specific. So we just want to talk about that episode as a whole, very similar to what we've done over the past uh, 10 episodes. Next week, uh, under channel uh, episode 18, we'll actually feature a... Uh, Season 7 recap. We're gonna recap, do, We're going to do right. it justice. Right. We're going to go through you know, the Hank and Dean storyline. We're going to go through the Monarch storyline. Next week will be, uh, a, I don't know, Venture Brothers extravaganza. Go sort of. Team Venture. Um, but I'm kind of mad at it, so maybe, we won't, maybe it won't be that special. <laughs> and then we're also going to talk about our Detroit Lions defeating division rival Green Bay Packers. Nice. Yeah. The cheese got melted. But first, I would like to talk about a story. Well, I guess it was the story of the weekend as it was the uh, main page of the Freep. Um, an article that talking about the rise of AIDS in the state of Michigan, or Metro Detroit, I, I would say. Don't have sex, because you will get pregnant and die. So I'm, I don't have a lot of jokes about this. I'm, surprisingly, I'm sure all of you would think I've got lots of good gay rape jokes all lined up for this segment, but unfortunately I don't. I want to take this opportunity to spend a little more time complaining about California. So the front page of the Freep... <laughs> Taking it there. The front page of the Freep this week is... Uh, the, we can agree is the Freep are... The Freep is ours. Is our, it's our main... It's our New York Times. It's absolutely. our Washington Post. Is about the sudden uptick in HIV across the state of Michigan, specifically in... African-American, wild accusations, or black, if you will, gay and bisexual men between the ages of 15 and 29. Is this 1985 again? That's the same as statistics. <laughs> Isn't that a... 
Those what a strange, like, very specific group of people to have the headline right here. All right, but that's not really my point. I understand. Like, Sounds I'm like not propaganda making fun of AIDS. AIDS is a very serious issue. My what issue if I is I want to have sex before I get married. Well, I guess you just have to be prepared to die. Was that a toilet sound in the background? <laughs> Ooh. Play that one more time. What if I want to have sex before I get married? Well, I guess you just it's have bad. to be prepared to die. Quality. It's like a 1990s clip. <laughs> sounds like someone's taking a dump in the background. Uh, so what I'm trying to connect here is uh, 2017. Um, if any, uh, God, we talked about this on Disgusting Views last year. Uh, in California, they changed um, the law. So before, to knowingly transmit the HIV virus to yes. someone without their knowledge was a felony felony yes yes uh which was i believe at minimum of seven was a minimum of seven or eight years in prison for for doing that mm -hmm. they changed the law saying hey it's no longer a felony it's a misdemeanor which a maximum of six months penalty that's that's what, what? that's awful for knowingly awful. transmitting awful. the hiv virus to a sexual partner now if it's a against their will there may be a longer jail sentence for that, but just depends. Boy, have you lost your mind? Cause I'll help you find it. So, what caused the change? Like, what caused? The they for, there's a couple uh, things about it. First off, they said that it's a communicable disease. Um, it should not. No other infectious diseases um, have uh, any type of uh, felony penalty. Um, this needs to be treated like any others. No, um, no. It's, this is this is something this that is does AIDS. not have a cure. It's a common, it's, it's as com. it can be as common as the cold no. and it's something where you can live with because you, there's medicine now that can allow you to live a full life with HIV. This, this is a true statement. Okay. We have come a long way in the fight against AIDS. Yes. But it still should be like you knowingly give somebody AIDS. You should go to jail go sit for a and long rot. time. So do you guys want to hear the really atrocious part? I'm so glad you guys don't know this. This is walking <laughs> me down memory lane right now. All right, so knowingly uh, transmitting HIV to someone without their uh, consent or their knowledge also includes people who give blood to a blood bank yeah, do not yeah. have to reveal Wait. that no, they have HIV. Don't. No, Buddy, I don't know who you are. You're about to get chlamydia. You never had to. They always, they uh, always that should be the a, blood. That should be a law. That should be the immediate law is if you don't, you get executed next day you should not be allowed to have hiv or something that is spread by blood and be allowed to donate blood it's not that i don't want your blood but let's just put that in like an hiv bank where people with hiv who need blood they get that blood and all the good blood comes to everybody else because so easy to get you confused no that's what are you just, talking that's about so dumb what who's confused me no, if you did the oh, HIV, I was like, you, are you, dude, this is AIDS we're talking about. Well, HIV, I know it's not AIDS. HIV, yet. AIDS, there are two different diseases to a degree. But if you had the blood bank idea, that's like, oh, yeah, let's have just a blood bank for HIV. That's super easy for them to get confused. Unless it this would never work. Super easy for who to get confused? You know, like the doctors or, or the nurses that's supplying yeah. the blood. Just I like, get it. Unless, it. unless it has a huge, like, black label. It's like, AIDS blood, AIDS blood. <laughs> just, but think of how much you would save on needles because you wouldn't have to use a new one each time yeah i mean you would save money on some items but it's just i would i just highly do not like this idea yeah Wait, i so you're agree saying give aids blood to aids people only absolutely i don't know i, I mean i just burned it was a shit. joke listen this isn't even the whole point of what i was trying to talk <laughs> about here this is this is what i was trying to get to 
think of the disconnect that we're dealing with from one side of the country to another. Mm -hmm. This time last year, it was, I believe it was October last year, they came out and in California, they made it so it is no longer a felony to do this, right? A year forward, it is the front page of our story of our of our local paper that which it's is on the rise. that it's on the rise yeah it's like does are we not seeing it? and i'm maybe you know i don't know how frequently california blood gets over here or vice versa but i would assume there's people in michigan going having wild weekends in california right possibly so if I aids mean, is blowing up out there hiv i'm sorry steve no if no, hiv is blowing up out there I, mean. I assume they're bringing it back california is infecting this country <laughs> You can't even say well, it. I know. I, th Ooh, I, I just thought of it right now, and then uh, you know, I had to girl. go with it. It's a it's a terrible story. I mean, overall, just that's it's such a strange. It, I I see your correlation though. As soon as they do something like that, that it starts to spread. So that's bad. It should be that. I don't understand why that law would change. Yeah, and I was choosing two different points to go with it. I was choosing either we'll go this route or really. How is that the front page? And I'm not saying it's not a horrible thing, but how is that the front page that this illness that's it, common in those communities, in homosexual and black communities, common in those communities, is on the uprise, specifically in a demographic that is commonly targeted? I feel like, like that's a terrible statistic for some reason. It's just like a bad blanket. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't it's like, like such I don't a like that stat. It's such a downer. For the freep to drop on people on a Sunday morning, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it, but I believe it's something that we that needs to be addressed. It's just like when uh, measles was making a comeback. Mm -hmm. It's just like we people need to be alerted. Like, hey, measles is coming back because you know because people weren't getting vaccinations. Yeah. So catch but it I, early before yeah. it, before it. Measles wow. really isn't a big deal. Not like AIDS is, but I mean, I'm just using that as an example. Yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's an example. Yeah, it's Absolutely, a great example. raise the awareness, make people aware that hey. Don't go out there getting all weird on the weekends, and uh, you won't get HIV. Pretty simple. Keep keep it in your pants. Keep it zipped up. So, no. yeah, that's pretty much it. I have, I just can't believe that AIDS is still like being taught. Like, it's still not talked about enough. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's something that, uh, you know, there was the big eighty, the boom in the eighties, and yeah, then it was like, almost like it was a lot yeah. of it, music videos, commercials. Everybody talked about it constantly. Yeah. And now it's like, do you, oh, do you remember when AIDS was a problem back in the eighties? That was awful for well, everyone. I, the big problem with it in the eighties was it was just so misinformed. Yeah, it was, and that's why I didn't like that stat that he threw out there about the, the communities that it runs prevalent. Mm -hmm. in. It's like that sounds like a terrible way to say that those communities are bad. Absolutely. It's, it's just, not to say that they're bad. It's to say yeah, that it's just, prevalent in those communities. It's, it's, it's a disease. It like nobody is like bad a, for uh, having a disease. Straight people get AIDS, just the same as any others. A, White people do, just the same as any others. I don't. It just. It's a. To me, it's like a stat that like you put out there and you try to slip it past people. See, I don't think so. So from just a little bit, I was reading, and they, God, maybe this is off. It said that there's about a million people with HIV in the country. It's probably true. It's All a right. decent right percentage. So about a million. They said I think it was nine hundred and eighty-three thousand. Yeah. So it's less than one percent. They're and they're saying right now, way less than one percent. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, three hundred sixty-five million is approximately point thirty-three percent. Yeah. yeah. Um. There are eighteen thousand in the state of Michigan that fall into that demographic that they were talking about. So that is a high margin of it. I'm not again. Yeah. I don't want it. Please, like, never think when I bring up news like this that I'm saying like it's because those communities suck. 
<laughs> that's why they're getting AIDS and everyone's going to die because I don't like that. No, I, it's it's such a weird. You're right. It's a it's a weird tilt where yeah. it's like it seems like you could skew AIDS the story is back towards something else for gay people who've been 15 and 26. Yeah. So the same way you're saying that, like, it seems like a weird thing to make it look bad. It's almost like you're also alarming a larger part of the population who really aren't affected generally. Mm-hmm. And you can be. Anyone can be. Right. With the way people swing back and forth nowadays, anyone's at risk. Yep. Keep that in mind, Justin. I don't know. I just, God, man, the, the media in general has been pissing me off these last week. I, that's why I switched over to... Uh, Revolver? Yeah, Revolver.com. Revolver though, Magazine. I just <laughs> want to read about Jonathan yeah. Davis. Yeah, tell me all about Jonathan Davis's favorite <laughs> horror movie from the 70s. Give me some Halloween action, baby. Look at that segue you just provided us. That's pretty good. So it is the uh, month of October. It is uh, the under channel Halloween. We don't have really have a name for it, but uh, we are trying to infuse a little bit of Halloween uh, conversation in each one of our weeks, um, along with the music that you guys uh, heard last week and we'll be hearing this week. All of our breaks should have some spookiness to them. Spooky. But the question for the group is, and we'll go, we'll go around table, when did you stop dressing up for Halloween? And I'm not talking about... Uh, at you know 27, you put on a Wolfman mask with your standard outfit you wore, and you went out to a party. I'm talking. When is the last time you full body dressed up like you did as a kid? Who wants to start? Hmm. I'll go first. All right. But you got Steve. Uh, the last time I went was I think 13. Mm. Very. I, that's probably a little bit later than most people, but I was I was covered head to toe with yellow paint for Bart. <laughs> I was Bart Simpson. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. Did you have a slingshot? God, I want to see pictures yeah. of this. Oh, there's no pictures. Oh, there needs to be evidence. Because be one day I'm going to meet your parents. There's no way a parent <laughs> is painting their kid bright yellow, putting him in short shorts <laughs> and an orange sweatshirt and not taking a picture. No, because right? my parents weren't there. They were um, oh, they were on vacation, so my neighbor put all the paint on my I face. I thought I was going more Do you have, a, for a, second. Do you have a pity party um, <laughs> drop? <laughs> I don't. Like a that's tiny pretty violin. Good. What a yeah. sad sack story. No, it was it was still a good Halloween. Yeah, but you know, I mean, that was like the last time, and I feel like very. I, by the time it was Halloween, when I was fourteen, I just didn't feel the same spirit. You didn't have mm. the spirit anymore. So I was like, eh, all right, I'm done with. I that. actually don't think thirteen is that late if you think about it. I I, yeah. I guess Aaron, you would know having kids. Mm-hmm. Um, like what would be a con? I mean, I got a fourteen-year-old that's fully ready to go out and dress up for Halloween. Yeah, that's what I was thinking because I think I quit when I was like twelve, thirteen. And I felt young for wanting to quit, but but like I was at that age now where people were kind of giving up on it. You know, yeah. it was more like, um, you know, let's go out and let's like put on a you know a hat and I'm going out as a robber. You know what I mean? That that was like the level I was I always at. And I hate was, the the lame teenagers that run through my neighborhood on trick or treat day, and they're like, "Yeah, I put a hoodie on." No, no I'm that's a not a costume. That's not a costume. Get off my porch. What about you, know, you Justin? Like, put some effort. Last time you dressed up. When that actually bought a real costume, probably like 14, 15-ish. Okay. You've just been making them ever since? Because <laughs> you're a costume I know you're a costume guy. You're playing it up. This guy, you're an arts and crafts guru. I mean, kind of. All right, so, <laughs> so what did you dress up as last year? Oh, I just was really easy. I just went as uh, a biker. Yeah, it's pretty easy for him. Absolutely. Basically, uh, would you just put on fingerless gloves? Well, no. (laughs) What kind of? It's like the Opie from Sons of Anarchy. Nice. No idea. That's pretty good. I like that. So what? So last? What was your last full body costume? 
like when I actually went out and purchased, mm-hmm. like didn't actually already have, kind mm-hmm. of was probably uh, what Ghostface from Scream. Yeah. Ghostface Killer from the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> Damn, that was a huge costume hardcore. for white suburban kids in two thousand one. <laughs> Not Method yeah. Man, Ghostface. Yeah, nice. For yeah. me, uh, the, I think the last time I dressed up, same thing as fourteen, fifteen, junior high. Me and my friends, we all dressed up as Brandon Lee and the Crow. And we went trick or treating, just nice. a gang of us. Yeah. Parents were like, "Are you guys kiss? Like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> nobody, not many people saw the crow. I guess. But it's so good. It is. So no, good. the crow is an amazing film. It's just, it, I don't think it did well in theaters. I had to dress up all the time when I worked in radio too. Like if we did a Halloween thing, you'd go into the trunk of dingy, stinky uh, costumes and pick one to wear at the bar and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, other than that, yeah, I'd say the last time I seriously dressed up was probably when I was like fifteen. I don't dress up. When I go, when trick-or-treat comes around and we go and we do it around the neighborhood, I just go dressed as a dad. Are you like a kooky dad with like, uh, you know, like reflective hats on or anything? should do that this year since yeah. the kid will be older and she'll be like, God, It'll be way more dad. embarrassing. Do it, do it, do it. Get one of those like blinking lights on you. Like, honey, if you see the, if you can't see the light, just call me. <laughs> you wear like a pink tracksuit. Our neighborhood is pretty sweet though, man. They go all out. There's a lot of people that do haunted houses. Like they, they're building them right now. And they're like, they, they like seriously, they put up walls and rooms and things like that. And it's just a giant, huge thing that starts in their driveway goes to the back of their driveway, goes through their whole backyard. I got some cool neighbors that mm. really get into That's Halloween. Awesome. Yeah. What about a uh, favorite costume? Because I, I, I guess I was thinking through it. Like, I really don't know what I've ever dressed up as in my life. I have a pretty bad memory when it comes to most things. Um, but I for sure at one point was Dan Marino for Halloween, probably about <laughs> seven or eight. That is a stupid costume. That is a fantastic costume. It's <laughs> an easy costume. Well, I had a Dan Marino jersey. And I had football pants. It was perfect. Nice. And I had, actually had a Dolphins hat, a helmet too. I was a I was a big Dan Marino fan. <laughs> Which, not a bad not a bad player to. Yeah, there's no. Re- I don't know why I'm getting shit on from around the table talking about Dan the man. Arguably the best guy not to win a Super Bowl ring. So uh, that's Matthew Stafford. Let's go back to Steve. Steve, favorite hey, favorite costume? Yeah, growing up. Obi Wan Kenobi. Nice. Uh, what's the? Were we talking about old man Obi or no, we talking no, about you and McGregor? Th- this is episode one, so it was like okay. eight. So you seven. had the little pony knob. No, my parents had no idea who Obi Wan Kenobi was, and all my mom did was just get the get the you know like twenty five dollar costume, yeah. and she bought the wrong lightsaber color. Mm. So you were I'm pissed. Like, <laughs> you were pissed. Mom, take that back. I cannot have that color. Yeah, no. That is not Obi Wan's. That's Mace Windu's. No, they did not sell purple. It was yeah. either blue or green. Because this they, was before they started doing all the limited edition bull crap. There were some neighborhoods they sold purple lightsabers in. And that's the most rare one. <laughs> no, like I didn't throw like um I actually I didn't even notice it until like midway through it. So I was like, Oh, this isn't this is green. After you got bullied. <laughs> I didn't even notice it until those guys held me down and beat me up about it. <laughs> Hey, look at this dumbass. He has green. He's well, you're not you're trying to be Qui-Gon Jin. <laughs> Where's your beard, Qui-Gon? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your soul patch? <laughs> Justin. Uh most elaborate one probably be Leonardo. When I was like eight to ten Leonardo? There. Ninja Turtles. Yeah, dude, Ninja it was Turtles? full nice. Like the big old head Leonardo. Get those nerds! Like, made the feet, had like the hands with the fingers and stuff. It was like head to toe. Like actual made Leonardo costume. That's awesome. Hmm. Well, yeah, it was ridiculous. I think I did that for like two years, so I grew too big, too tall, and I couldn't wear it no more. 
I know now you're like the size of a Ninja Turtle. You'd be killing it if you were a Ninja Turtle now. Aaron, what was your favorite uh, costume growing up? I don't. I have no clue. I don't. I, I don't remember anymore. I remember like when I was in kindergarten, I dressed up as a clown, full face makeup. Mm. Hated every minute of it. You seem like the kind of kid who would have been like Angus Young from ACDC it at one a lot point. Cooler, you know. It yeah. was. It wasn't that cool. I don't. I don't remember. Honestly, he hated being in his own skin, though. Like when he was. A I'm clown. sure I was. I did a lot of different costumes, but I really don't remember most of them. Yeah. I'm sure I was a cop. I'm sure I was a firefighter. Absolutely. You know all the classics. I just don't remember any of them for sure. That I, I the kindergarten one for sure because I had to wear all that white grease paint makeup and I hated it because it just made my skin all dry. Is it weird that all the kindergarten classes made you dress up as a clown? Yeah, I don't know. Because mine did the same thing. Did it really? Yeah. There's yeah. a picture of me as a clown. Nice. And I don't like it. I, didn't, I, I, didn't I hated like it. wearing face makeup my whole life after yeah, that. So absolutely. I never wore it again as much as I could. I, I would avoid wearing it. It's one of the reasons I don't like to dress up a ton because I hate wearing <laughs> the, Everything I want to do is face makeup, but I don't want that on my face all day. Exactly. So Yeah, I honestly, I couldn't tell you if I had a favorite costume at all. I really don't know. Well, I want to uh, let's end the segment on this. We're, we'll be getting into Venture Brothers in just a minute. But um, if you had to wear, would you go mask that you had to wear all night? Ooh, you couldn't take off. I hate masks too. Or face paint that, I mean, as you sweat, it will begin to run this off. This is a true hall of horrors. For but me you right can't, now. you can't, you know, you can't go in the bathroom and dab yourself. They the bathroom shut down. There's a ba- there's an incident. Tongue right? stuck in the slit. So these are the uh, those are your two options. Which would you choose for a night of gallivanting around? Mask or face paint? I think I'll probably go with face paint. Ooh, ugh, I, I, I I like at the beginning you're gonna look sharp, but then by the end of the night you're gonna look like garbage. But it's just <laughs> like screw it. Then you just tell yourself a zombie at the end of the night, you'll be good to go. There you <laughs> go. But Conversion. Changing, changing costumes as the night goes on. <laughs> zombie nice. Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. <laughs> I always end up as like, well, you start out. I was like, I was a ninja. Well, what are you now? I'm a ninja. That's not wearing all of his costume anymore. Like I'm, a nin- I'm a ninja in tennis shoes, so that's what I'm wearing now. <laughs> yeah, but it's with all the masks, like all the little kids are just so tired by the end of it, and they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Give me all the candy. Yeah. Justin, mask or face paint? Probably mask. Yeah. Only because if I had to, I could do like a Phantom of the Opera kind of thing or like a half mask. Yeah, something. okay, I could handle that. Throwing a lot of like, he's like, he throws a lot of extra things in. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, Justin, what about this? Well, he's like, yeah, if every one of my needs is met, obviously that's the <laughs> option I would go. No, I'm saying like a mat. Like, I don't even know. Like, you're, it's either a Richard Nixon fucking latex mask you have to wear all night or somebody would paint your face like Richard Nixon, but it would just melt away throughout the night. Either way, you're Nixon. I think it was zombie Nixon. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a great costume. He, <laughs> fight, he finds Nixon's a way. head in a jar. It's Futurama. <laughs> I'm still not a crook, though. Uh-huh. Aaron? I'm just going to turn the lights out and not go. <laughs> <laughs> You're sick that night? I am not wearing a mask. I hate those, and I'm not wearing face paint. So yeah. Mine would have to Done. be an a-, a mask, only because um, I know how rewarding it's going to be at the end of the night to pull that mask off scooby-doo style there's nothing that makes that face paint rewarding no like it, except for going home and you're like oh i'm so tired but if i sleep it's gonna fuck up my pillow so it's like <laughs> oh, i guess i'll just take a shower and you feel like shit when you're taking a shower and like when you wake up you're like i'm not even that clean it's just there's no way you go ma- face paint over mask nope they're, they're, even though there's better face paint now yeah for sure but there's better masks now yeah my brother actually had a rickson nixon mask which makes that funny did you all right, we'll be right back in just a moment with our Season 7, Episode 10 review of The Venture Brothers. 
I'm just a You're listening to the Under Channel. Sang. What, what is, is wrong, wrong with you? All right, show recommendation, October 13th, 2018. Long-time friend of the show. The first interview ever done on this show, all the way back on episode two. Uh, ben Wixon, his band Down, Down, Down is playing with 10-Foot Pole at the Sanctuary. Uh, 10-Foot Pole doesn't have a ton of music. I did find a music video for a song called The Getaway. Nice. I do know this song. This was on a Punkarama album. Mm. 10-Foot Pole, the movie is a rare jewel. Not since Saving Private Ryan has a film captured the hearts of nation. Bravo. I think this was on Punkorama 4. It's Neo from the Matrix. Oh, I guarantee you, one of their songs is on the Tony Hawk game. Oh, it's Brian Posehn! Nice. We got a lot of collective tissue right now. We got Brian Posehn, Berserker. We got Ben Oh, Lipson. yeah. We got Down, 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 10-foot pole. Punk rock's always a connective tissue. I mean, long-term friends of the show, or long-term listeners, are probably losing their mind <laughs> right now by all the references. <laughs> a little bit about uh, 10-foot pole. Uh, formed as a band called Scared Straight in 83. They were known for what genre, Steve? Nardcore? Yeah, absolutely. Nardcore. Nardcore? Which was hardcore... From Oxnard, California. <laughs> Wolfman has nards. In '93, uh, they changed their name to Ten Foot Pole because they were being confused as a straight edge band, and they were a band that was known for Steve. It was like having lots of fun and partying hard. I was like, yeah, oh, it's like Andrew yeah, WK exactly. quote. <laughs> Andrew WK just came out with another album. Really? He just keeps pumping out music. I like it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, was his self? Was it self help? His was that no. his festival? No, no, that would have been crazy. No, he wasn't self help. He was at uh, Riot Fest. Oh, okay, okay. I've seen him at Riot Fest a few times. He always plays too early. I played. I saw him at like three o'clock in the afternoon at Riot Fest. He like, was, he, he got the party going. Ten foot pole has been doing it forever, man. Yeah. They're just they're an iconic group. Yeah, this one is a little more aggressive than the other stuff I've listened yeah. to. The other stuff is more like even indie if they're not like a punk. standout, mm. but they're still a part of the scene always. Mm-hmm. And they got Brian Posehn. You're not messing around with that. <laughs> now that we know how to say his name from Berserker, <laughs> I feel like if you just asked him, he'd show up. Think so? Yeah, he's a pretty big star. Hi, <laughs> go. I don't advise jumping off. Oh, are you into a pool? Okay, never mind. You can jump off roofs in the pool. Depending on how big the roof is. What? Hey, what? Oh, getting shot all of a sudden. Ryan Posehn is whooping ass. I was say, I feel like another common thread of our videos is it really just looks like the band, like, you... They, <laughs> They need a director for this video. Like, what's your video about? Well, there's like, you know, Brian Posey is eating stuff, and someone's getting shot, and everyone's skateboarding. And then we got like a guy taking his shirt off. It's in the Matrix too, by the way. <laughs> it is in the Matrix, yeah. Before the Matrix came out, it's in the Matrix. Dennis explodes off the screen. We're talking about Dennis from 
sunny in Philadelphia. The golden god himself. Yeah, I've either seen this or I just had deja vu. One of the two. So they're coming to the sanctuary. Yes, October 13th. Uh, check it piece. out. And now, and now join, join for a musical exploration with the Onion Channel. So after the A-Gang dissolved, um, how long was it before you started in Down, Down, Down? It was not long after. And Down, Down, Down was Jake, me and Jake kind of reuniting again from, from Frank White and then previously designed by you. And then our buddy Alex, who who I'd known casually from playing in Frank White, he played bass in like a ska band mm-hmm. called the Card Sharks. Um, so that was kind of just like, I don't know, fill in the void, I guess, for a while. Really? It's it's funny though. I looked up the, I looked him up on Bandcamp. It's Bandcamp uh, down X three yeah. on Bandcamp. Uh, if you look it up, but. It's actually a fairly prolific band. Like, I mean, of if you look at the output your bands have done over the years, I think you guys do have like four releases, but one of them might just be a single. Yeah, but, there was yeah there was like a pretty good amount of music from that band yeah. in that time period, and, and it was it was good, man. It was a three piece band, so it was really easy. Yeah, um, and it was just fast, kind of. I don't know. I I have bad religion written down because uh, yeah. I think when I was listening to it, like it's something that came up. In my in my head when I was thinking yeah, about that, it, yeah, that band was definitely like heavily influenced by Bad Religion for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and we'll play uh, "Stuck Inside These Walls." Okay. I think I chose this one because I I really feel like it's an additional like progression on what you've been doing. You know, like it's got that animated feel. Yeah. Yeah. Is this you on vocals? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. I was definitely getting a lot better at singing. Yeah, that's why you could notice right away. That's why I wasn't actually sure if it was you singing, too. (laughs) Were you the primary songwriter? Yeah, mostly. Do you feel more weight to the band in terms of, like, you have to carry the weight when you're the primary songwriter? Not really, because... I feel like I've been very fortunate to have good collaborators, great, great people playing in these bands I've been in. I mean, honestly, I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, it's no wonder that Jake has been in so many bands with me over the years. It's just because I, Jake is a very easy person to work with. And Jake's your drummer. He's just a guy, man. I, and honestly, I've, I've kind of recently lost touch with him a little bit because he's in Canada now and. It's just, I don't I don't know. Like I don't even get his cell phone or anything. I talk to his wife sometimes yeah. on Facebook, but I can't get a hold of Jake anyway. Oh, if you and, hear this, Jake, reach out to Ben. Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah, he's just you know Jake is like the perfect drummer. He knows he knows what to play and he knows when to get flashy, he knows when to play in the pocket and he just he under him and I understand each other's what we're getting at. If I can like hum something to him or go Hey, play booba 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 booba. He'll go. Oh, I know what that means. And it just—it's just—I don't know, man. Like, that's cool. I mean, it's—it's it's cool with all the years you've been in music that you've—you've you've had someone consistent like that to like you keep like reconnecting with in bands, you know? Yeah. Like, I, and I don't know if Jake's ever played in other bands except bands that you're in. I—he I, he has. Well, that's 
before the, I was in bands with him. He yeah. did. And he doesn't play. I know for a fact he's not playing in bands right now, which is unfortunate because, like, I don't know. I, I, I think, I mean, I remember hanging out with him and stuff during the Frank White time. Like, he's an awesome drummer. Like you said, he's super easy to get along. I feel like he, like, if Frank White wanted to go on the road or if Jesse or those guys would have been, I think he would have been all on board, oh, right? On board like, he in, wanted to be in, in bands. Band. You know, he, in an instant. Yeah. Oh, he played it in a band called Prussia for a while, too, as a percussionist. Oh, I've heard, I've heard of that band. Yeah, so, like, he, he did that for a little bit, too, but I don't know. Yeah, he's just, like, the perfect person to have be the drummer of your band. Honest to God, man, like, I if Jake called me tomorrow and said, let's jam, I'd be like, fuck yeah. The Younger Channel, a pathway to the ears of the mind's voice. Please understand that going forward, I will try to put as much macabre music into this show as possible. <laughs> and Halloween is the perfect opportunity. It actually really is. This is off their 2002 Campfire Songs album. Uh, I'm sorry. Is that a mistake? Just the name of the album. Macabre Minstrels Present Spooky Campfire Songs? Hmm. Something like that. Something along those It's lines. awesome. It's an EP. It's not an album. Fantastic album. This is The Cat Came Back. <laughs> Macabre, for those of you who don't know, they love to write songs about serial killers and other crazy shit like that. So who is this about? It's about a cat. So it's not about serial killers, but it's about... I don't know, is it? We'll find out. Let's listen in. They're really good guitar players. Like, seeing them at Berserker, I was like, this dude kills it. Yep. Why does this sound like that old school cat song? Because it is... Well, the cat in the hat, the cat, the cat, the cat came back was originally um, published in 1893. It's a standard that's been redone a million times over the years. The cat can see. Johnson had troubles of his own. Had a yellow cat that wouldn't leave his home. He tried and he tried to give that cat away. Gave it to a man going far away. But the cat came back very next day. The cat came back. They thought he was a god, but the cat came oh. back. Just wouldn't stay away. Yes, that's basically off this too. Yeah, so this song, redone over the years, they just changed the the story, and then you keep the one to go. It's like a standard, you know? Awesome. So was this the original song of this? No, this is their version. This is their version. Okay, okay. So the cat seems to be killing all of the people who try to get rid of it. Anyone who fucks with the cat, they get fucked. Now you're hearing his vocals are very identifiable. You can hear the words, but when we saw him, it was like, Dog nuts, dog nuts! Give me life to play with him! Shout out to Macabre if you hear this. Macabre. Incredible. I wasn't sure what to think of him when Rob first introduced him to me. But as uh, I warmed up to them, they're great. And especially seeing them live, I'm a Cobb fan for life now. Came down about 90 miles away. Where he is now, well, I dare not say. But the cat came back 
the very next day. The cat came back, they thought he was a goner, but the cat came back, just wouldn't stay away. So this, the pictures from this version of the song were actually drawn by a fan who made the video. This is not like an official video of any kind. It just says, you know, pictures I drew because I love the song. So shout out to that guy. We need to make sure we get the channel in. Rutger Hauer fan. Showing song of death by death while the story is about Chavez. Pictures drawn by me, smiley face. You know what's great is all the videos on the side were like little kid nursery rhymes. <laughs> the duck song and shit. I want to go camping just so I can listen to that. It's an easy song to learn to play to play at a campfire. Yeah. 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 Jamboree style. I mean, if we're gonna bust out a jamboree, let me go ahead and uh, get my travel guitar. <laughs> One of those ones that like folds out. <laughs> out. <laughs> we're gonna do that. I got a bucket. You got a bucket and three logs. Right. Are the logs different sizes? <laughs> I love that the cat's getting more and more hurt. Yeah, it really does. You ain't playing with that cat. You can play with it, just don't fuck with it. <laughs> Art by Rutger Hauer fan. That's good stuff. Nice. It's got Muppet shows on the side. Robert Under on the Under Channel. Your guide into the other side. Other side. Testing, testing. Hello, ladies. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for accepting this suicide initiative. Your target, a one Brock Samson, has been really bored lately and will enjoy the shit Each one of you falling soldiers will be sacrificed for his amusement. Your unavoidable deaths will become the stuff of legend. Every new recruit will hear the story of the time a killed blackout team got locked in the big tech tower. Behind seven-inch ballroom steel doors, and were killed one by one in glorious service to this dumbass killed you, Good luck out there, and thank you for your service. Gentlemen, we've made it to the finale. Dum, dum, dum. And by gentlemen, I just mean Aaron, because him and I are the only ones who've watched the entire season. Go team venture. Gentleman. I missed one episode. Leave me alone. Really? <laughs> You've caught it. You've watched all of them. Yeah, I just missed the one that's previous to this one. Oh, okay. Mm. You missed the coma nah. episode where yeah. he f- played yeah, ice I, football. I, I, I it missed was pretty the one prevalent. Episode where they correlate with Murder each other. Murder bear. Yeah. So this episode starts, and I, I guess you uh, remind me of the chronological order. Is it Venture being kidnapped and then the guild meeting, or the guild yeah, meeting and then Venture? It starts being right away with um, the flashing light in Venture's little research lab area, and that's where the guild blackout team is using the teleporter. We finally find out what the hell happened oh. with that damn teleporter, and they're teleporting in to kidnap Doctor Venture. 
So that's where the Safrax protocol starts out. And then uh, directly after that, you flash to the guild. Yes. Uh, and they are standing around their table in their chamber, all dressed in robes. Um, different types of robes, too, which I didn't know if I liked that or not, right? Because they're all the member of the same team. So if they're having some kind of, like, cult, I would have liked to see some uniformity. similar robes. But some of them did have similar robes. Yeah, it was so really Dr. Mrs. The, the Monarch had a different... She had, like she a, had to play a part. I kind of thought the same thing. I'm like, why? Just play the part and wear the robe when you play the part. Yeah. I just was... She's like, why are you dressed like Robin Hood and everybody yeah. else is sweet, dressed <laughs> like a warlock? Yeah. I mean, you had the you had the outer ring. They were all dressed like uh, the followers, and then you had the council members who were more pronounced. So it was that was fine. But yeah, I agree. I think Doctor Mrs. the Monarch should have been featured better than just being in this hobo right. burlap. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so the guild uh, the guild is assembling the league. What is it called? The the council. The council, thank you. Yeah. The council is assembling, and they're waiting for all the members to arrive to start a ritual. We do not know what this ritual is as of yet. And then it flashes over to Hank dressed as Lando Calrissian. <laughs> this is pretty good stuff. Yeah, this it. was... It's a weird part to the episode, but you get that with the Venture Brothers. You get weird things like this. Yeah. How prominent was the head injury in last week's episode? Because I don't remember it being like... Because I was... Comp- I mean, again, there's a week in between. Mm-hmm. So and- it was. it was... It was like the third part of whatever the subplot was going on through the, the, the ninth episode. Um, you seen that Dean was freaking out cause he couldn't get reception. He couldn't talk to his girlfriend, Serena or not Dean Hank. I'm sorry. And uh, so he's freaking out the whole time through the episode, but they don't really do much with it until he decides to go out and go rescue her. And he's like thinking everybody's a doppelganger. And stuff yeah. Like and that, that was the other thing I didn't really understand is like, if he's, like losing his mind, right? Which is what they're showing. He's going stir crazy because they're stuck inside for the blizzard. He can't reach out to her. Why is he like leisurely pretending to be the Steelers, like walking? Over? It was just yeah, like he just got lost in his own fantasy land. Yeah, when he goes out there in the snow. So this and is that's how the coma came about. Is he he dove into the snow and clonked his head? Yeah. And who is it that meets up with him in the coma? Oh, um, that's Action Man. So Action, Action Man. Man from the beginning of the season in the Morphic trilogy, he has a stroke. Oh, absolutely, he does. Yeah, yeah. He, toast. And then he <laughs> keels over. So they're like, "This isn't his first time," which is kind of weird that they say this isn't his first time. But he thinks he's dead in coma land or wherever they're at. I don't know. Little little miscontinuity there, but overall not bad. So they they are uh, stuck in this weird ice land and. Hank obviously believes that this is the Empire Strikes Back. He he believes heaven is the Empire Strikes Back because he's he's dressed as Lando and they're on Hoth. Yeah. Whereas Action Man, on the other hand, he's never seen the Empire Strike Back, so his reference is the movie Barbarella, and he's pretty much concerned that they're in purgatory, and that they're on the ice of Weir. And it, it the episode really is kind of a morphing of the two, and I've never seen Barbarella. But there was enough. I've seen Empire enough to know that not everything from that coma was from, <laughs> was Empire, from Empire, right? So, I guess we'll we'll get to that one in just a second. But it was a really strange episode because Action Man's dressed like a Wookie, so Action he Man's got a Wookie Man. body. Uh, Hank is dressed like Lando, um, and very well too. They did a good job of dressing him like Lando. They did do a good job. I almost think he did it better than Donald Glover. Ooh. I didn't, I didn't want to say it, but I think he did a really good job with this Lando character design. 
Um, and then, so after their little conversation about understanding, which I they didn't catch it there, but um, he said, he told Action Man, you're not dead, you're in a, uh, you had a stroke. You had a stroke, right? yep. And then there's no reference to, well, then I'm not dead, right? You thought that they would have connected because he's like, oh, Hank, my boy, you're dead. No, they do, they do. As, I, I, as I didn't see the revelation that him realizing. On, they're like skiing down the ice with a, a manta ray pulling with, them on a sled with a horn with a horn and they kind of start going through all that and stuff and he's you know he's kind of making fun of them for having a stroke over his puppy love and stuff and yeah. they actually reveal the name of who the venture brothers real mother is yeah we'll talk about that in a second because i wanted to as a fucking like, venture brothers fanatic i wanted your opinion on what the fuck that has to like what is that like is that just that's a buried a, lead or is that yeah, a name a you've heard before for, no you've never no. heard the name i think you may have heard the name um when you were first introduced to the relationship between dr venture and the blue morpho but i'm not 100 percent sure um because that's the blackmail tape he uses on mm. the blue morpho is when him and the blue morpho you know the old doc venture senior are with those two girls and they have that home video of them having like an orgy or whatever, you know? So I'm not, I know that they were two actresses, but I just don't know if it's that particular actress. Damn, you are so good at watching this show. <laughs> I'm like a damn fool over here writing notes about costume design. <laughs> so yeah, they do reference it cause there's, it's a long running gag throughout the series of like, who is the venture brothers mom? You know, there's the crazy bodyguard that used to protect, um, you know, Doc Junior, Rusty, and she thinks she's the mom, and she's Looney Tunes all the way, you know, and things along those lines. Um, and they use her quite a bit uh, in the very famous scene where Brock Sampson is in the middle of the road, and he puts his arms out, and he gets hit by the car, but he perfectly falls into the driver's seat mm. and takes over the car and everything. But anyways, so yeah, they, they, they it's a long-running thing of finding out who is their mother. Right, yeah. Is it crucial to the series? I don't think so, not in any way. No, it's, no, it's, it's just, just it's nice an interesting one. Set up. Yep. Right. Well, there is one more storyline that's going on. Um, so Doc Venture was kidnapped by a uh, Guild Black Ops crew. Um, but Their leader looked a lot like Jason Statham again. They're really pumping out the <laughs> Jason Statham artwork in this season. <laughs> but if you were a... And I understand the Guild Blackouts. I'm sure they think that they're badasses. They're but, supposed to be like the top notch. But they know Brock Samson. Group. Like yeah, they know Brock, Brock Samson's Brock there. Samson. Like I, if you, I would be in the Guild. I'd be a company man. I would go. I'd do whatever you need me to do. But if you told me to go <laughs> to the Venture Compound to even walk past it, I wouldn't go. Like Brock Samson is merciless with the people he wants to kill. Swedish murder machine. Yeah, and he's not playing around. Yeah, this wasn't. We, we complained a lot of this season about they really didn't do much with Brock. And I don't know, you may have a differing opinion. This did not pay that back for me. Oh, you really? You didn't think so? No. I thought this definitely paid it back for me. Seven minutes of awesome Brock in the finale is not enough to maintain it, all the it, you just know what not, it, you know nothing what that he me, did though, the rest of it. Is it kind of shows you exactly what was happening in this season. Like, if you were in the Venture universe... Dr. Venture, he's set up in that place. He, I mean, nobody's really arching him. There's not much going on. So Brock is bored. He mm. says it in his little monologue. I've been bored. I'm going to enjoy the shit out of this. Yeah, I guess you know? you're right. So, like, for him, it's really coming to life. Because we've been saying that the whole season long. He said, Brock is just not being used. We're not getting Brock Samson. We're not getting him out of this yeah. season. And finally, the last episode... 
I felt the payoff finally came because that that part was pretty sweet. All right. I enjoyed every second of Brock Sampson. I loved it. I just I wanted more of it over the first. My favorite line is when the uh, one of them used to, uh, the when they chopped his tooth or something in the in the, the poison, poison tooth. Gas, yeah, and he goes, "Why did they kill all like the poison tooth? That's just cheating." Because <laughs> so, he can't like he was like he was uh, like throwing. He's like, "I'm gonna shove this sword so th- so far up your ass." Yeah, the second time they showed Brock where he just went, he was like in that Shogun armor and he jumped down from the rafters and and chopped that guy. I wanted them so bad to just leave him in that costume. That. I was like, please just let him be a shogun the whole episode. I want a, I want a whole episode of Brock as a shogun killing people. But they all do. They did a good job. Yeah, that would, maybe that'll be it. Maybe if uh, if they listen, they should write that down as a future episode. Just one year, just one episode. They go to Japan or something. Yeah, or like you, if it's Brock's ancestor, you know, be like yeah. Brock's son, and he'll like he just like as a shogun. <laughs> um, the biggest storyline. Where do you want to go it? next? I, I think we should go to Safrax. Because that's really what this whole episode is really about. All right. Well, let's give that to Steve as a uh, pop culture nerd. Did you see Barbarella? No. All right, but you, never you, you've seen it. the Star Wars. What's up, What's Empire Strikes Back? What is that? Empire Strikes Back is the uh, the, the one second movie ever. Yeah. It's the fifth. It's the We're fifth talking about Comaville now. We're talking about Comatown. We're not talking about the Safrax part, right? Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Wow. I tried trolling. That it goof. Didn't work. That goofball. Uh, <laughs> A name threw me off. It yeah. just seemed like that place would be Safrax. Safrax yeah, totally is in yeah. Barbarella. Yeah, fuck Barbarella right now. All right, Safrax. Uh, actually, that is something you can you can reference. What did you think of where that story's gone? The 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 monarch ascending up and finally at his ritual to take over tenth uh, rank. I feel like for some odd reason he's just been given this opportunity. Like, sure he's done things all season, but it's just like, why are you going from four to ten just mm. so quickly? I'm not fully understanding how that works, but I feel like. This guild is super weird. <laughs> they are different. <laughs> so you, it's it's kind of whatever. Aaron, you had referenced that you think he maybe skipped some rank, or you you were yeah, a little confused. Yeah, I'm trying to that. trace the steps throughout the the whole thing to see exactly how he he rose to level ten. Uh, you know, this season maps it out pretty well for the most part. He's a level four when it begins. Doctor Z assesses him, says you're a, you're a five maybe. Doesn't really give him the five rank as far as we know, but so we gotta take it from there. Then he gets the uh, opportunity to, um, you know, raise his guild level, which they were doing throughout the whole season. Um, so he decides that he's going to tutor Saint Cloud. Saint Cloud. So for all intents and purposes, I guess he got another level out of right. that. Then he goes on to be part of the heist mission, where they're going to steal Doctor Venture's teleporter machine. That was a fully guaranteed full level even though it was failed it was still guaranteed Not for him he got it in the end remember at the end yeah, of the episode he got the teleporter. it was him and 21 mm. they had the teleporter okay yeah right as right. osi de- de- descended upon them so from there now he goes on the secret mission in the last episode to go find that creep guy who kills gets killed with the lawn dart in the head and that was another full ema level so from there we're at level eight all right Okay, so let's now let's trim it. Now, now, now this is making sense. Well, then. we'll clip that now because I want you to do the more research and and really map it out if it's right. Yeah. Okay. So um, they push that along. I, I don't know. I I expected him to be level ten by the end of the season. Okay. I okay. mean, I really did. They, that was the main driving force because now they're setting up for next season, which is going to be back to the classic venture versus monarch, mm-hmm. which is awesome. But. Do you think that they've made it so easy on him that you may see some resentment grow between other members of the guild? It's a possibility. Like she's 
like maybe it's she's pulling the strings. And she says in the beginning of this episode, this is a very important tending for me. Yep. So, yeah, I could see maybe the right, because Phantom Limb, way out of character in this episode. He hates the monarch. He hates him. He stole his girl. Mrs. The Monarch mm. used to be Phantom Limb's girl. So, yeah, it was very like, why are you all in for this? Why does this matter to you that somebody who used to be your henchman, you know, he used to be a henchman for the for Phantom Limb. Why do you even care? Like you just, you, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, long there's con. there's been character building, but I don't. Know. Yeah, I. Aaron, it's, it's a long con. It's a long con. Ooh, I like that lead. No, like you you play it up now, and then you know Monarch is just so ego heavier, and then boom, high on himself. So who is doing the con? Doctor Misses the Monarch. Phantom Limb. It's Phantom Limb. Okay. Interesting. I like that. Doctor Mrs. the Monarch, whatever the, whatever her name is, I forget it half the time. <laughs> like she is so in love with the mon- with um, Monarch that she'll do whatever. She's it takes. blinded by it. Yeah, yeah, she'll do whatever it takes to to get him successful. Gotcha. So Phantom Limb is just like, all right, I'll play nice now, you know, get him higher up, and then make it, and then yeah, sabotage it somehow. Maybe she steps down. It makes sense because realistically, Phantom Limb tried to have the entire Council of Thirteen killed. And she survived, and then they together they formed the new guild council. With so it's it's interesting. That's yeah. an that's that's in, I like that. Yeah. And now we'll flash back over to uh, the Hank storyline as we have Dean. Uh, other than maybe in the Morphic trilogy, this is the only time I could place them in the same room together. Yeah, when he's visiting him at the hospital yep. in his coma. Hank's in the coma. Dean is sitting next to him, leading uh, reading out all of the reasons he's been a bad brother. Yeah, over, the whole time the Dean's years. been in college. So yeah, exactly. So and they were. It's very touching, though. Yeah. It actually was a good like. It's wow. It's like nice. This is what that show used to have. Is yeah. like a little bit of heart between yep. these two brothers. Like it always pulled it together. So that was a good counterbalance in between, kind of the. They brought chaos and the, the other venture stuff was that really grounded the show. So it's nice. He just kept reading a list off why he was a crappy brother to him. So it's nice. Yeah. And that's kind of how it ends out the episode in the end, too. So it wrapped up real nice with that being just this little, little piece of the episode to the finale of it. Mm. So it was pretty good, which leads you to the other brother in the room. Um, who knows if it's from another mother? I don't really know. But we get back to the Safrax ritual with the monarch, and he's going through all these goofy rituals that they have him doing, you know, reaching his hand in a log of poo, finding a stone. The beast! The beast! Um, him having to cross... I mean, they're basically playing out this ancient storyline, almost like a play. It seemed very play-like. Of yeah. the original henchman and the original villain. Yes. Like that how they're... Grudge. That held a grudge. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it's all done in like sing song. It's very like uh, three Billy Goats gruff yeah. kind of feel to the whole thing. It's like a story song about this great, you know, hero. Yep. And so what they do is the whole point of kidnapping Doctor Venture at the beginning of the episode is to have him in this tent at the mercy of the monarch. The monarch has no idea that this is what's going on, but the the, the guild has made it so that this whole situation can play out. We've got your bench. We've got your arch for you. He's tied to a table. He's not going anywhere. You've played out this whole storyline to become a level ten. This is your dream to be a level ten villain again. This is what you have to do now. You've passed all the other trials. You've done all the storylines of Safrax. 
Eltheus, your 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 hench, has been along with you the whole way, but now you have to do this. Do you have what it takes to take out the man that you hate so much? Yeah, and we, we didn't mention it, but there was a little kind of a sub-story going on of when they had Dr. Venture originally held captive before the ceremony, they were running tests on him. Yeah, the blood test. The blood test. Watch and ward. Yep. <laughs> so what they, what they reveal, which is, Listen, they weren't burying this lead at all. No, I promise right. you, they've they've <laughs> very well made it clear that Doctor Venture and the Monarch are brothers. Last thing you get to see from this storyline is them revealing it to. Well, I guess that's actually the end of the episode. It's kind of the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah. Let, so we'll wait on that. Let's talk about that. Then we'll jump back to the okay. other two. So that was that was weak sauce to me. You really thought it was weak sauce how they they broke the, how they broke the news to him. It's just been it's. It's like, it, it's not a surprise. Point, it's not a surprise because you've made it it's a so surprise clear. To the monarch, though, that but I'm not the monarch. Okay. Like the story. So should, as not, the viewer, as the viewer, I expected more hmm. from the the, the reveal, finale, the, big, the reveal. big reveal of that of that. That is a major point in the history of this show to kind of tie those be two together on. like that. And you're right. They 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 they've been they've been teasing it out since I believe season five, mm. and kind of saying, hey, it started with the photograph of the two of them playing together as kids on the picnic blanket. And it just kept trotting along from there. And they never quite say it until now. And they only say it when Watch and Ward are away from everybody. Mm-hmm. And then when Watch and Ward are like going to reveal it, they don't say it. Right. So they kind of like cat and mouse play on that. Yeah, it's it's a good... And this is my theory with the show, is a lot of people, I mean, a lot of people complain, God, the show takes two years to come out. I think, and you may know more. I think they will just be continuing this plot. Like you know, yeah, like coming into this, like it was like you're it like, ah, oh, season why. seven doesn't really connect to what you know was going yeah. on. Like this to me almost felt like we've seen season seven part one. When they come back for season eight, it's going. It if it's not season seven part two, mm-hmm. I will be very disappointed by this because I felt so unfulfilled with every character. I don't know which character I actually liked from this season. Yeah, Maybe the that, monarch was the only. It's exactly how people felt with the end of season six too. Okay. It was kind of just like, uh, okay, we're done now. No, no, nothing happened with any storylines, and season seven was just like season six part two. It was just a continuous storyline running. Right. You know, no like typical season finale. Oh, we wrapped up all of our plots. No, it's a it's a one long narrative, and I think what you're going to find is you're going to see now. The monarch realizes why all along he's had this deep-seated hatred for, uh, you know, Rusty Venture. Because that's the biggest thing. That's the arching, the relationship between Rusty Venture and the monarch. Mm. That that undeniable, pure, raw hatred he has for Rusty. And before we get into a few theories, let's talk about the end of the Hank um Storyline, right? Uh, the Matmos, the Force. What, what, do we, what did you call it? The Midichlorians. Midichlorians. What is that from? That's Star Wars Episode One, where they added something that's completely unnecessary with like how the Force works in the Star Wars universe, and it, nearly every Star Wars fan hates it. <laughs> yeah, they did. They try to make that really sound like something, you know, beyond what it was, so, and that's yeah. exactly how. They were just trying to explain it, right? They're yeah. just like, hey, well, how does the force work? Well, here's how the fucking force works. Get Stop asking us. It's magic. Got it. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there's uh, 
oh God, we already and we missed him seducing the wampa. You know, he's like, uh, well, how did he how did he escape the wampa in Empire Strikes Back? Well, what I need to do is I need to use the force to pull my lightsaber towards me, well, and then I'm I'll clearly chop. Lando Calrissian. <laughs> well, what so is Lando Calrissian's weapons? <laughs> smoldering sexuality. <laughs> yeah, smoldering sexuality. You know can-go attitude or whatever it is so you know, he's kind of like weaving into it when when the wampa comes near him and then i don't even know how i'm going to explain what stops this scene um what is this guy's name the phage yeah he's one of the members of the council but he's in a coma because he tried to use the teleporter to be part of the saffrox thing but it doesn't work so well for him so he's in a coma right but his legs are an at at yeah his legs are an at at um, and he comes in, he kind of like shoots the wampa with his wiener. You just got your asses yeah, whipped with by a bunch of goddamn right. And then, they, you know, there's a little experience. But basically they end up at that mitochondria, whatever you guys call it, mitochondria the thing. Mat- the matmos. Matmos. Uh, and Hank realizes, hey, that's the force. If that's the force, I need to jump into it. Because what's going to happen, I'm... It even says a great line. He goes, if I'm extra coma dead, you know, <laughs> like I'm already in a coma. We're already like, it, it's like, what's the worst that could happen? Yep. Which was a, was a probably the smartest thing yeah, he's done all season. Thing. If you really think about yeah. it. Very bold um, move. And the reveal is it works, right? Yes. It, it pulled him out of his coma. This storyline ended way different than I expected in the beginning of the season. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but you get the little reveal of, uh, they, the nurse waking up Dean, um, he's in the hospital lounge um, to tell him that his brother is gone. Um, Dead? Dean originally, yeah. Dean originally believes he is, um, he's passed away, but come to find out he is missing. He yeah, woke up and got out of his hospital. Job. <laughs> yeah. She did a good job blocking uh, old uh, Uncle Hatred, but yeah. she sucks. Oh, he, was, <laughs> he was put on the moves, too. When they flash back and he was shirtless. Slab of beef be all yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Uh, the reveal is uh, they kind of flash to Hank, and he's doing the uh, what was it? The Batman? What what Batman monologue were you guys saying? Oh, from the third uh, Dark, Dark Knight Rises. Rises. Yeah, from Dark the end Night of Dark Knight Rises. Rises, and it flashes to Hank. When's the last time he wore that Batman, Batman mask? mask? It's been a long time. Yeah, or that's early Season Venture Brothers two. when he used to wear that, and yeah, there was I a subtle bad. nod to it too. Did you hear that when he was reading that list of like the reasons he's a bad brother? He goes, uh, reason 52, I'm sort of jealous you can wear your Batman yes. costume in public. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I guess there's not much else in this. We've covered all of them. Um, we're going to do a huge recap next week. We're going to do. Uh, we're gonna go through each of our storylines and really dig in, try to find some. I, I'm, I think there's a lot of loose ends in this. Yeah. And there might not be loose ends as much as there's just sort of bad endings to some of them but i think we'll, we'll be able to dive a little deeper into that next week so thank you guys for listening uh, we will be back in just a moment with our detroit lions recap the under channel subterranean entertainment time to unplug and sink in so this is off the album z trip from what, 2010 maybe 2012 somewhere around there featuring chester bennington called the walking dead yeah, first heard it on, I think, Aeon X many years ago. Carl. So, here we go. Suppose you were to die tonight. Carl. What would you what, say? Carl. Say, 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 say? I'd say Carl. This feels uh, flaming lipsy. It's, it's a little slow, but it's really good. Do you believe in life after death? Do you, Carl? Nice. 
like that beat. At first, I was like Chester Bennington on a hip hop track, and I was like, oh, yeah, Mike Shinoda. Chester, right there, right? Unmistakable. I just assume that this is the worst album by the album cover. Do you know how many bargains in this album has been in? This is every 99 cent album I've ever looked at. Did you, did you buy a sticker from the album cover as well? No, it It's totally a, a sticker that would be on like a junior high folder. Yeah. It looks like Joe Gatto from Impractical Jokers is holding the sticker up. <laughs> if you guys see my Z-Trip sticker, I, I cannot find it. Dude, what's the album called? <laughs> so who normally sings on these guys? Are they normal just instrumental? Okay. So does he just have featured vocalists on each track? Not I wish you'd I was like 13 tracks. Nice. I mean, it definitely hits, you know? Highlights of the vocalists on this album? Anyone who know? Kendrick Lamar, maybe. Ooh, I've uh, never heard a single Kendrick Lamar. So you're missing out, man. Uh, the girl from Evanescence, does she make it? Amy Lee? Yeah. You know her name. I don't fucking know her. That man sucks. <laughs> oh, okay. I feel like for a song like this, though, it's two minutes too long. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Like he, he didn't need that second verse before this part. Yeah. But it's hard to like judge it because I'm assuming you should listen to this as an album. Like where does this like where does it menage and right. what the whole no. recipe? No. <laughs> it's just yeah, there. It's a pure violin piece after that. So. Oh really? Second controller controlled the duck apparently. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, people are now just finding out about that. I never knew that. You should have put out a specialty duck controller. (laughs) You had the gun on one side. You could have had like little wings that you flapped or something. (laughs) 
That'd be pretty right, cool. That's pretty much it. Z trip. Yeah, the rest is just going to be static. Are you ready? <laughs> there is Slay. Every week he gets your best receiver in one on one. He knows for four and a half years since they had a guy rush for 100 yards, and the rookie does it. Oh my long moment when he stiff arms. Tate is the primary receiver, but that's where the fun actually begins. It's time to relive this weekend's panic attacks with The Under Channel's 2018 Detroit Lions recap. Let us dine at the table of gridiron gods. Week 5. I just have to start it out and give you kudos for that music still. That's it's like my favorite part of the show every week right now is listening to that tune. So Nice. Um we are here to recount the Week 5 victory over our division rival Green Day Packers. The Green Bay Jantes, ha-ha, you lost Packers. I, I will say, though, um, when we were envisioning these uh, Lions recaps each week, I always thought I would be coming in pretty hot after a victory. I'm just kind of like, man. It's a lukewarm victory. You know, it's good. Yeah. It's I'm glad. It was a fun game to watch. But do I am I, am I more confident now? No. No, I, I thought this was probably a victory anyway, right? Going into the season, I, there was no reason this couldn't have been a victory. Uh, yeah, I penned this I up as a loss. But did you? Yeah. And I don't remember specifically what I did, but this isn't one of the ones I looked at and said, like, whew, there's no way. Yeah. There no, there's no way we're not going to. Especially uh, Green Bay, is, that's, a, that's a shithole team. Mm. I mean, Right we, now they are. They're suffering injury-wise. Yeah. Uh, a lot of players just aren't there Aaron for Aaron Rodgers is single-handedly keeping that team glued. And his knee is basically held together by I duct heard tape it's right actually, now. I heard it's gotten it's better. Yeah. Because yeah, he's he, no longer on injury reports. So yeah, and he's on he's a different fine. type of knee brace now. Oh, yeah, I heard he's fine well, now. More mobility. Yeah, I seen him get his leg moved around a lot in that game, though. He took some sacks and some Ooh. hits from behind that lo- made his leg look like, oh, you're going to have some ice on that bad boy. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about the performance of our, our pass rush, which I thought was fairly impressive. It um, did a decent enough job, but, I mean, he still passed for 442 I get yards. It. But when Aaron Rodgers is forced to throw. But then again, it was garbage time right. for him. Um, but before we get to that, I want to talk about two things that happened back-to-back that made me so happy. This really, th- If the whole game had gone this way, you would have, I would have come in guns a-blazing this week. Another 100-yard rusher? That, absolutely. That would have been good. Yeah. But, Almost number one, Amir Abdullah back to receive the punt. I guess. I mean, because why not? You're not using him for anything. Yeah, you're not using him he for is anything. The, he is the right kind of runner for that role. When I seen him on the active report, I was like, if he runs on first downs, I'm turning the game off right. immediately. But also, like, think <laughs> yeah. about that. Well, I mean, Agnew did get hurt, so obviously yeah. this is good to have Amir in this role now. Yes. But Agnew was a defensive player. Yes. We were using him we on defense, so we can't risk one of our starting or even rotational DBs. When oh, they were taking some hits, we had uh, yeah. Tease Tabor took a, a hit. He mm-hmm. was down for a while. Lawson? Oh, yep, Lawson's Devin playing Lawson. with a broken hand, yep. right? Yeah, so we're so. pretty banged up. So I could understand them, hey, our let's not even risk Jamal good. Agnew. Let's not risk Jamal Agnew taking a big hit on this. Put Amir Abdul out there. Guy's not doing anything anyway. He's got 23 years old. He's still got, fuck, man. Put Amir Abdul, let him run. I guess. He got a 30-yard return on that punt. Yeah. He's fast. It's not bad. He's, it's got, a, he's got potential, but. It's a good role for him. Yeah. That's a perfect role for him at yep. this point because he's not a running back. Right. But even more exciting to that is that Lions' first drive. You guys know what the first three plays were for the for the Detroit Lions? Run them off. Johnson. 
carry on Johnson run, carry on Johnson run, carry on Johnson pass. Three plays consecutively, he moved the chains and got us. If he didn't get us a second first down, he got us damn close to a second yep. first down. And our biggest complaint out of out of Dallas was why did we not use carry on? Yeah, yeah, he's. It was apparent early on from carry on, and I, I want to. We'll pass this around the table for a second. There is excitement when he touches the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you get an excitement feeling. Yeah, it's just like. All right, what is he going to do this time? It's something that like the Lions have missed in the past couple of years with the running back. Yeah, for for I mean, really, as any players, was there any uh, player that you were truly excited that when like, I guess Calvin, Calvin, but he wasn't a yards after the catch guy Whoa. where it was like he has the ball and now something amazing's happened. It's like he went up for a catch and he's down. Well, running back wise, I'd say all the way back to what Javad Best. Ooh, even, that's oh, a yeah. great that's a great like, poll. All the way back yeah. to that. Even what was it? That, was it Kevin? Kevin, Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith, yeah, or Kevin Jones, yeah. Jones, yeah, yeah, but none, but it's different. Like my my feeling with carry on, it's like when you're watching college football, and you know how in every college team there's that one star player. It's like no matter what team, Bowling Green, there's always some guy who's like he's the Bowling Green All American for that year. Mm. That's what it feels like to me for carry on Johnson, which is I'm assuming the role that he was used in at Auburn, Auburn, right? He was just like the all purpose. You need yards, you need points, whatever. Let him do That's it, right? He was. He took the record or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Yards. So I'm happy to see that his electricity of that feeling is translating to the pro game because a lot of guys at the pro level lose that. That's- yeah, that's the one we need to be using. Our one is way better than the other one. That's a lie. But no man. offense to Foreigner or Journey or Boston, whoever sang the original version. Uh, all those bands named after parts of the country I'll never go to. Um, <laughs> uh, so carry on Johnson, fantastic. Keep giving him the ball. But that also means we cannot allow ourselves to fall behind where we have to let Stafford throw. Yeah. Um, I'd say you leave carry on Johnson out there anyway and give him the ball. For yeah. everything that that game was, um, Stafford did not look great, period. I mean, he had a, a game that was solid that kept him – going um we we took advantage of some short yardage situations but yeah you can't we can't we stayed in the lead the entire game so don't get us wrong there um and we did run the ball effectively enough we didn't have to have Stafford throw the ball all day because he only had 26 pass attempts in the whole game absolutely so it worked out luckily we won I mean again we held the lead the entire time so yeah and I feel like because we had a little discussion with people about how good of a victory this was, com- you know, comparatively. And we know how banged up Green Bay is, mm-hmm. but it's a division win, and now you're two and three. Right? But don't fool yourself yet. But do- but also, I want to put out there. I understand Green Bay is not a good team, but the only reason I ever like thought, hey, maybe we might lose this game, yeah, is because right. of my history with the Lions. It has nothing to do with anything else. If I was a member of any other team, and our team came out and hung up those kind of numbers in the first quarter, the first half... We would be I, dead the rest of the day, and we were. Yeah. The second half pretty much came out flat as fuck. Yep. But, that, but any other team, I'd be like, alright, well this is going to be a victory. We're going to win this game. But because with the Lions, you have this thing like, oh, they're going to come back, it's going to happen. But... Is that fair, right? Because you got to, I mean, what happened with the Lions 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 15, really has no bearing yeah, on this Yeah, I try team. to stay away from the, the poison of the Lion mantra and the way, and try to really stay, but it's there. It's there. It's undeniable. It's there. It's there till they win a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And then we'll go from there. It's going to be a long time, I think, I'm just, sadly. Just saying. 
Like even when we beat New England this year, I was still like, eh. Yeah. Let's let's talk a few uh, key plays. So the uh, big one early in the game, uh, the punt, the downed punt yes. inside the controversial. five. Controversial. Controversial. Uh, I love Chris Spielman's uh, white gloves. If you're white gloves. A, if you're a defensive player and you're not wearing white gloves when they're wearing the white jerseys, you are not doing your team any justice. I'll tell you what. I think Chris Spielman had one of the best announcing days I've ever heard. I enjoyed listening to Spielman the entire game. He was great. I have a couple other notes about uh, for sure. I was like, is he allowed to say that on TV? Like, you feel like you're. I feel like you're pulling the curtain back on the NFL a little bit right here, but. Like him and um, Tony Romo are like my two favorite right yeah. now. That was a, that was a good, you know. It was whatever. Uh, that shit happens to us all the time. It does. It does do, I I time. don't feel bad for Green Bay no, too bad. because we uh-huh. got that. You know what? And I you know what I like the most, uh, even though they gave him his timeout back. I like that he wasn't allowed to ta- yeah, challenge. He wasn't it. allowed to challenge. It. You're not even allowed to okay, challenge. Okay, so it. that okay. Now I guess it's a difference. Schwartz got a well. Okay, Schwartz got a penalty, but is it because we didn't have a challenge left? In that game, I believe Are you talking that about the Texans game like five years. Ago? Yeah, Schwartz threw Be- the challenge okay, flag. So the reason why that happened was because you're not supposed to challenge on a scoring play. Ah, uh, and okay. since it was a scoring play, Schwartz immediately challenged it. You're not supposed to do that. And so that's why we got a penalty. Yes, because we didn't. I was expecting us to get a penalty on that, mm. and then it didn't happen. I was like, why didn't we get a penalty? Mm. Okay, anyways, it doesn't yeah, matter. You know what? My biggest problem with this play was it was not that you know anything to do with it except for the fact I didn't like. That we didn't rush up to the line of scrimmage and just try to run the touchdown in. Yeah, because what happens if that time. challenge had happened and it had gotten pulled back? Yes. Like I. That's and, what I was thinking the whole time too. Get up there. Get up yeah, there. Get but up there. My here's my thing. I don't think the refs allowed them to. No, they like may the not refs were like kick, almost it was a like kicking play. So controlling every. Yeah, you're right. It was a dead. It was yeah. a. It was like hadn't turned over. Yep. Right. You had to get like your whole team. As far as they were concerned. It was dead. It was a dead ball. Absolutely. I didn't think about that. You're absolutely right. It was a kick return. So special teams, obviously, it makes sense for Stafford to not be out there and rushing into mm-hmm. a play. So that makes me a little better. I was like, if the refs are like just standing out there to have a discussion and Matt Patricia isn't chewing their ear off for wasting, because we just need to run up. Run up and just rush it in. Don't let them time to throw the flag. Get up there, hand it to LeGarrette Blunt, and try to rush it in. Yeah. But that, that makes a lot of sense, uh, had, what you just said. He had said. two punchers through, so it worked out in the end. He, he punched it through in the end. Yeah. Another big play, I might have been on the next drive, was the uh, Okawara strip sack. Yes. Uh, which, again, fantastic Spielman. Uh, line? Line? No, it's uh, <laughs> observation, I guess, observation. is the way that strip sack worked, where uh, Okawara came up from the left, hand on the shoulder, Right, you feel this one, so your 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 body is to pull the ball away to the other side. Well, his other hand came down directly yep, onto just the ball, monstered him. Really looked and it's like, oh, this guy really knows what it means to ta-. like. Chris yep. Spielman really knows how to tackle people, yes. and he understands the <laughs> science behind it. So it's really you know fun to see that side of it. Yep, that's just good situational awareness. No, yeah, yeah, pouncing on him like a lion. That Okawara kid had a great game, and people his he, name was he, he everywhere. Good. People gave us a lot of crap because we cut um, uh, Zettel. To bring him in, Bob mm, Quinn comes out said no more Zettel, and let's get this kid from the Giants. So so far it's not. I mean our defense. Not going to defend the defense too much because our defense is still really bad. But he had a decent game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and a stat came up during uh, right around this time that I thought was pretty interesting. They put on the um, the Lions' defense for this year, second in the league in total yards allowed passing. Mm-hmm. Second, second best. What you? Not really second best pass yeah, the defense. Second, second best pass. It's the way they build it. Was yeah. the second pa- uh, best pass defense. Our secondary's holding it down. Absolutely. 
But here's the problem. Our rushing defense was 32nd in the league. DFL. The worst in the league. Uh, And, again, one of those misleading stats because teams were so far ahead of us, they didn't really have to throw the ball Mm -hmm. that much. You know, they just, like, Zeke, I mean, Zeke Elliott alone makes that stat useless because of how much he annihilated us. But it was still an interesting one. I like to see that. And and uh, Mike McCarthy, I wrote this quote down where he had told, it might have been Spielman or the other one, that this is probably the best cover or man team that we're going to play the whole season. The The one thing the Lions secondary does is they play man they've got enough guys they can cover because most teams and they even said it lions have the probably the deepest receiving core most teams don't go three deep like that we have a top tier there are teams. there will be teams right five well right now they don't No, because uh the the one thing that they're killing it with is names we'll get to that in just a second (laughs) but um you know slay alone will will lock down play against whoever your best is and those other guys, those Lawsons, those uh, what's the name of that other that young Tease kid? Tabor. Tease Tabor. Yeah, they are doing a good enough job on your receivers. They are do they. The secondary has not let me down at all. Yeah, Tabor is being used in limited play. He looks lost sometimes, but overall, our secondary is doing a good job. It's, it's yeah. the other seven on the field I'm worried about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, short of Jared Davis, who I think is still should be the MVP for the season. I'm, that dude's not playing very well. But our, why is he not playing well? He's just not how good. is he not playing? He's well. Terrible in pass coverage. He's terrible. He's not designed it. Why? Why is like if he's your best tackler, and he could lead the potentially lead the league in tackles? That's not a great stat. How is that not a great stat? Just, how do you stop the just, ball from moving forward? He's in on a play. Is basically what's happening. He's in on a play. That's just, unfair to say. I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a Jared Davis fan. Yeah. So. There's different types of linebackers. Yeah. I understand that. Oh, there are. There truthfully, are if and this is what made me think. I was talking to the guy at Seven Eleven. Shout out to the guy at Seven Eleven by my house. If you're listening to this, <laughs> um, can you imagine if uh, DeAndre Levy didn't lose his mind? How good of a cover linebacker that guy was yeah. to be lined up next to Jared Davis. Those two would. It'd be, it'd be, That'd be a better combo yeah. than we have right now. Yeah, we, we, oh, absolutely. Maybe that's what the part of the problem with Jared Davis is. We're expecting so much from him, and we're not getting it. But we're not getting anything really from the linebacking core as a whole right. for the most part. I would say uh, anyone listening, stop thinking of Jared Davis as DeAndre Levy. Not, yeah. He is, if anything, Steve. He'll will be the Stephen Tulloch mode. Yeah. He will be that high end tackler who'll get some pressure. He'll get some. You know, he might knock a couple balls loose because he's going to hit a tight end hard over the middle. But Tulloch could cover. That's the thing. I get it. I get it. He, Jared Davis is still game. a rookie, though. You know, Jared Davis is going to develop as a player. They are, I think they might be pushing that he's going to be the captain of the defense thing a little too hard on him. I, I don't know if I see that yeah. specifically. It's only his second year, so. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's still, he's still learning it. He's a young guy, but I like his development. He might not be a fantastic linebacker yet, but he's the best we have, so I'll take that for right now. Packers wide receivers. The name game is about to start. The name game is going about to start. Um, I mean, there's really, I guess there's only two of them they really featured. I mean, Devontae Adams, well, I'm not going to talk about really him. Well. Nine receptions, 140 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, so I don't like that guy. Well. He has a little bit of a strange name, but um, it's nowhere near Aquanimus St. Brown. Aquanimus? Aquanimus St. Yeah. That was my favorite name going into the draft. St. Brown. Three catches, 89 yards on the day. And you know, if there's a, and that's a really hard name to beat, but no, if you're going to try, 
with Marquez Valdez Scantling <laughs> as their other receiver they had out there. He played well too. Yeah, they, I mean all the receivers seven played receptions, well. sixty-eight yards, and a touchdown. That's well, Aaron Rodgers' well, magic. Well, pick up this week. It's good. Did yeah. you play them? That's, that's a good pickup. You're a real asshole. <laughs> but you, here's my thing. I hate playing Justin, although I beat him, but still, I hate playing him in fantasy football. But if you beat him, why do you hate him? Well, this time. Because he always picks him. up bootlegs. Yeah, he always picks up bootleg characters. He's good at it. Um, yeah. But I like the one name that the Packers guy was hurt, Geronimo Allison. Yeah, yep. that's a great one. Yeah, <laughs> they got a, yeah their, their GM is really on those names. <laughs> He's, He's like, all right. <laughs> then, you got, then you got Randall Cobb. Yeah. Like, who are we going to draft this year? He's like, does any player start with X? <laughs> are there any guys who start with Q? Let's this look all at those started first. when I got Ha Ha Clinton Dix. <laughs> oh, yeah. From then on, it's been, I want Sausage Link McGravy. <laughs> <laughs> it, all, it started with Ha Ha, and it's been funny ever since. Which is another great quote that I love from Spielman when uh, Kenny Galladay got that big reception that went downfield and he stiff-armed Clinton Dix and mm-hmm. just put him into the turf. He's like, that's a get-off-my-lawn play. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about Galladay. Galvatron. That's what I'm calling him. I'm right. calling him Galvatron. I, I don't think it's going to stick. Most people aren't with it, but I like it. Well, I want you to know. They called him that last year, too. Did they call, some people call him Galvatron? Yeah. 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 I'm giving Aaron credit for it because he's the one who showed it to stuff. me. Um, but... I tell it to everyone. Everyone I, t- I say, we have a Galladay conversation, I say it to him. So I'm going to help spread the gospel. Don't worry, Aaron. Govatron. Um, I'm really excited. It's it's crazy. We have on Johnson, who any other team across the league is like, wow, I can't wait till this guy opens up. I might be more excited for, for what Galladay. Ken- Kenny Galladay is going to become. Because want him to this- get bigger. Yeah, he needs to get bigger. To get a little he's, bigger. Not much. Hit the weight room. A little bigger. Yep. So would that be the responsibility of a guy like uh, you know Bob the Bob Quins or them to find a gym rat older wide receiver to get in there? Because I don't see Marvin Jones or Golden Tate as no, gym rats. They're not gym rats. Gold- no. I mean they're yeah. big guys. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but they're not. They're not gonna. They're not the kind of guys that are gonna help Galladay turn into a Kelvin Johnson. Right. Like he waits mostly because size. But you're not gonna. Tur- he's not that frame. Kenny Galladay's not know. that. Not that Kevin Johnson stuff. is like, yeah, was a a one of a type, yeah, one of a kind. Agreed. That's not the. Uh, I mean, but he's he's closer to Calvin Johnson than he is to Golden Tate or Marvin Jones. But I just in the way he's head. built. I just want him to get a little bigger for a better pass blocking on the line and stuff mm. like he should be able to do. That is a good part that you bring up. Our receivers did a lot of blocking in this game. Golden Tate, yeah. lead fullback. Golden, yeah. He, would, I mean, he looked like he was an offensive lineman on that one play for Blunt to run in the end zone. 5'10". Yep. Marvin Jones <laughs> came in there, and he stuck guys for blocks. There was some good team play there. Yeah. I, good. We talk about our receiving core, right? Good overall football yeah. awareness on the receiving core. Those guys aren't just... They, you never hear like, oh, and there's another boneheaded play by Galladay. Oh, there's another bad play Marvin by Golden Jones Tate. Did have a penalty in the game, but did it, a, sh- a push off. He gets one a game, two, two this game. It's, that's kind of his thing. It's what he did when he before he got here. So yeah. you get the good with the bad. He got a touchdown. We'll take that. You know what? Another thing with Kenny uh, Kenny Galladay, I thought when he got his touchdown in the third quarter, and he immediately turned and whipped it into the crowd. I was like, oh, my God. It was the fourth quarter. Thanks, Steve. I was like, they're going to say he didn't complete the process of the catch. I was waiting for that. It was like <laughs> I immediate. thought the same thing. <laughs> it was like immediate, but they shortened all those rules up, so it was all right. I, th- I thought he wanted to hit the wall, and I think he went a little higher than he wanted to and hit whoever was behind there. But either way. There's two major things that uh, happened to this game we have not hit on yet. Let's start with uh, – When's the last time the Lions had a running back rush for two touchdowns in a game? Yeah. 
it's God, it's got to be a while, right? I mean, not that they were that impressive. Yeah, right? no, <laughs> we gave him no, the ball at the end zone. Right. And that's yeah. what we got Legarrette Blunt for, though. But that's, right. that's his sole purpose. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's what I in at the goal line. That's why that's he, he will hit England, eight touchdowns or nine touchdowns in the season is if you put him in that situation. So really happy to see that, especially when early in the game where they were talking about who was the worst red zone uh, conversion team in the entire league. Exactly. The Detroit Lions. Detroit Lions. So happy to see that. But that isn't even the most impressive thing that happened. I guess unimpressive if you're a <laughs> Packers fan. <laughs> Uh, it was sad. Oh god, no it was honestly that. sad. I like I want to know what like caused him to like because he was always like an eighty five percent, eighty eighty eight percent kicker. So like what made like I want to know what made him commit every one of those kicks except one. It was a shoe originally. Yeah, he switched yeah. the shoe. He did a lot of stuff to try and get out of it. That yep. he was just he was in a funk. Yep. It was a bad day for a lot of kickers. Real anyway. bad day but for that guy. For Mason, <laughs> but like they said, the smartest thing that. McCarthy did was let him kick at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because it, kicking, it, what else can you do? Wipes the slate yeah. clean for next week. Yep. At but least this helps him move forward. I had mentioned this. Uh, this was what I was talking about when I said the Spielman thing. I was like, is he supposed to be saying this? <laughs> it was about um, Mason Crosby because he's like, we've all we all know that. I mean, there's times when a kicker goes out and misses four, then they might not even have a shot in the bus when they're leaving. Yeah, he, I'm like, holy say, shit, yeah. are you just saying like? Kickers really don't fucking matter because I've never watched anything where they go... Turn in your jersey. You're off the team. Right. (laughs) I've never heard them say against, like, you're talking about uh, an offensive lineman who lets the quarterback get hit every single time. You never hear the announcer go... It's different with kickers and punters. Damn, that's cold. I was like, man, that's brutal. The lonely kicker. Santos last year with Kansas City. Yeah, Santos. Kicked him right off. Browns have already gone through four kickers. It makes sense, though, right? Yeah. Like, you can win a game if you have an offensive lineman who's having a bad game. The Packers specifically lost this game because their kicker had a bad game. Yeah. Had a bad game. And with those kicks. The way our well, defense he, played, he, he kicked enough points that they would have won if he'd have made them. 13. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you want to talk about how impressive our first half was, right, when we put it, what was it, 17 in the first half or 17, really in the first quarter, um, if you want to talk about that impressive, that would have been his almost his score for the game by himself. So kind of puts it into perspective how how you would have had six bad that was it, for yeah. Steve, you gotta say uh Aaron, you got any music you can play for us? Oh yeah Stand of the day Stand of the Day I do have one for you guys. Since we've been talking about Kenny Galladay for the past probably five minutes so a lot of people are actually comparing him to Calvin Johnson's first first 16 career games. Okay, I'm interested. So Kenny Galladay has the same number of receptions as Calvin. Kenny has about 40 more receiving yards. Nice. Uh, he is averaging about a yard less per reception. Okay. Mm. Kenny Galladay has six receiving touchdowns compared to Calvin's four. Wow. And no back injury. No back injury. And he is receiving. The only thing that's mostly different is just Calvin was just receiving more targets. Mm-hmm. The only ca- thing you can counter against is that Kenny's going against cornerback three. Yes, and it's not going to be that way for much longer. Right. But we've got two other receivers. you so got to account for them. You got, I, yeah, go ahead. It's just like it's really hard as a defensive corner. It's like, well, okay, so on Johnson's slowly starting to like show that he can he can hang with the league. Mm-hmm. So who do you stop? Yeah. yeah. Renette Rams good. Or no. Chiefs good, but it's like you can put the Lions like top seven. Like I, 
as an yeah, offensive that's unit. What you're saying. If I, they can play a full game, I'd say top five. There's top a ways three. to go for there because right now we're just the 19th offensive unit. But <laughs> they got to play a full game first. Yeah. yeah. And then we'll that's the there. problem is putting four quarters of football together. We're not doing it. Yeah. I, I want to before we get to the what next week's game is. Let's. I want to talk about the the Kenny Galladay thing you just you talked about because that's a really it's a cool way to look at what oh God what the best receiver at least in Lions history. Calvin Johnson is the best Lions receiver. Uh, yeah, um, we're saying yeah, but he's going against number three, right? Who was the number one receiver when Calvin Johnson was? Roy Williams. Roy Williams. Until like midway, Calvin's rookie. Absolutely, year, and, then, and then he just took over. So Calvin took over because he was. I don't know. He's he was. Calvin was Bigger, destined to become faster, the best, stronger. right? Kenny Galladay is going to have to work his way in. Like, this isn't going to go from, hey, Kenny Alley had a great day. Next week, he's going to get tons more targets. They're not going to cut down Marvin Jones. I think They're not going to cut down Golden Tate. Is Golden Tate. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. This competition um, is, both, is Mar- Marvin Jones, Golden Tate, Theo Riddick, and uh, on Johnson. I That's wish it was more Theo Riddick, but they're not really using him. Well, well, it's, it's still competition in the throwing. Yeah. yeah. It is. And I liked, I liked to win. You know, because the, the the thought process is if they're going to go with those three sets, you got Marvin on one side, Galladay on the other, and Golden Tate in the middle. Well, I like that they switched it up and they put Galladay in um oh in the slot at that one point. Mm-hmm. That forty yard pass came back, right? That was that was that over the field catch that he had, I believe, yes. that came back because he he caught it in stride. But I still like the idea that you're going to do that because you have to keep them guessing. Of you can't every time those three guys are on the field together, you have them lined up the same way. There's or just move golden tape from one side to the other. Playing. Yeah. Like, it, it, like when Stafford said um Stafford said something and the Packers immediately recognized it as a screenplay. Mm. So uh come up with new stuff please. <laughs> Which that's crazy cuz that means if we actually had some creative scheme with the talent base we just, have, we could probably be annihilating, right? Cuz you're saying we're doing we've been doing okay with a one of probably the worst schemes in the league. If yeah. you, maybe so, if we had this talent level with like an offensive guru who's really you mean Sean McVay? If we had it, Sean McVay yeah. instead, yeah, I I would be ecstatic. Yeah. But I don't know. I just hope like if Jim Bob Cooter doesn't improve, sure he can go. Yeah. But you hope you just hope for improvement. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got the opportunity coming up now since this game is over. We're gonna go into Week Six. The Lions do not play. The Lions are on a bye week. You got a chance to change things around. Also, the heel players that mm-hmm. are close to returning, but not there yet. Yeah. Maybe Slay can play a healthy game finally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a, this is a good time for a bye week for me. It's you've got you're far enough into the season where I mean, like I mean, you're a third into the season, right? But you're deep enough into the season that this doesn't feel too early, but. It's not far enough that like you're worried about losing momentum, right? Like if we were on, I guess if we were five and zero right now, maybe it'd be like, oh, this is probably not the time for a buy. Yeah. But we're not really, uh, we're not burning the world down. We're not really setting the league on fire. So I'm okay with it right now. Let's you know, get healthy, come back. Well, you get, you know what the game seven game is? Yeah, we play Miami. Um, okay. We're gonna go. I believe that's gonna yeah, be an interesting it's game. In Miami, Miami's been playing decent football this year. They started the season on fire. Uh, they kind of came back to earth since then. Uh, they're currently three and two. Yep, they're currently three and two. They have the thirtieth ranked offense in the NFL, but they have the twelfth ranked defense in mm-hmm. the NFL. So they're they're playing a good defensive game. So we've got to overcome that, and we've got to get our offense scoring early again. 
but it can't just score early. It's got to continue to score throughout the entire game against these guys. Um, overall, it's a good matchup. It's a it's a game we need to win. I really think we should win it. Um, you know, week seven coming off the bye. Let's string two back to back. Um, evenly matched for the most part between the two teams. The the Lions really. As much as you're looking at them optic-wise, stat-wise, we're the 19th offense, we're the 16th defense. We're in the middle. We're just an average team. So can we beat a team that's on one end or the other defensively and offensively going into Week 7? Week 6 is going to be what you need to watch because Miami plays Chicago. Mm. Watch that game this Sunday. Yeah, it's a great measuring stick. That's what you're going to need to do. Chicago. You're going to need to watch Chicago and Miami that when they play this weekend because you get a chance to see not only Miami play, but you also get the chance to see Chicago play, who's our you know obviously our division rival, who's running away with the North right now. And they're so good. Yeah, Minnesota, Green Bay, Detroit. We're all just kind of stirring around in the bottom like a, a something going around the drain. Which one's going to go down first? So, Green Bay, Green Bay's gonna fall apart first. I think so too. Minnesota will fi- Minnesota will figure it out. Yeah, they have yeah. to. Yeah, I don't. I don't worry. There's about way Minnesota. too much talent for them not to figure but, it out. But the the best part for the Bears is their defense is good, their offense is getting there, and it's gonna be <laughs> fun to watch down the stretch mm-hmm. or the middle of the season, I should say. Yeah, I I, I hate to. Um, say it, but I'm actually rooting for this Bears. I like this Bears team. <laughs> I don't like to say it because it's, it's just because like, of Khalil Mack. Mm, I mean, I guess, yeah, because I, I like him. Right I, I really do. Yeah, I like the, Trubinsky. Sorry, I like Trubinsky. I, I, I just don't <laughs> think Trubinsky he's anything was the special. Joke yeah. Last draft, but he's he's playing good football. He's yeah. played one good game. He's, he's, but he's playing decent football. I'm not saying he's the next Tom Brady or the no. next Boomer Esiason, but he's playing good football. But if he can be like the next Alex <laughs> That's Smith, That's your go-to? Though, Boomer. <laughs> hey, if he can be like the next Alex Smith, though, they got a shot. Or the f- next Flacco? No, he needs if to be he better be, than Flacco. He's got to be better than Flacco. I say Alex Smith is better. He doesn't turn the ball over. <laughs> he don't turn the ball over. What? Yeah, no, he's a good, he's good at it. You're right. What is, if this was a super nerd uh, d- football podcast, we would debate better career, Alex Smith or Joe Flacco. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got the Super Bowl ring, but oh, if you God. look. Yeah, Alex Smith never had that season. Yeah, Alex Smith never had the team around him. So. Yeah. As a game manager, I go Alex Smith all day. All right, well, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of The Under Channel, and we will see you next week. You know, they say the Russian Olympic team was caught listening to The Under Channel. That's a real podcast that enhances dudes, am I right? Theunderchannel.com. Guaranteed male enhancement or your money back. What? So next is going to be a Halloween staple. It's called Werewolf of London by Warren Zevon. Zevon. Zevon? Yeah. I took a shot in the dark. It's all right. It is very much a classic though and if you hear that piano and bass line and it sounds familiar it was 1989 the stealing ass punk kid rock is do that with sweet home alabama on top of it no he, he got he got the rights for it okay he's like i'm the first person to ever do this put these two songs together i'm a mashup artist now <laughs> well, is it any better than when he did uh, I feel like me. Oh, that was a, oh, that, that was, was a couple Yeah, I yeah, guess But I was like That whole album was bad company 
It kind of was. It was all radio-ish yeah. type. That's rock and roll Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. He does a lot of covers on that album. Bob Seger. Yeah, it's it's the beginning of his trend towards country. Like he stopped with the hip hop. Yeah. Like his that hip hop shit was gone. One hip hop song on that album. That's it. Oh really? He doesn't really do rock. Little old lady got mutilated late last night. My favorite line in this is about when he comes. It's like in the third verse, I think. His hair was perfect. It kills me every time. I've never heard this. You've never heard this song? I've never heard a Warren Zevon song. Warren Zevon's an amazing artist. I've always heard. He's like one of those cool guys artists that people drop. <laughs> like, oh, you're into Leonard Cohen? Well, I listen to Warren Zevon, so you know I can understand your songwriting abilities. Listen to Snoop Rocking that Bigsby Tremello unit on that fucking Gibson. He looked like Howard Stern. He did look like that was killing it. Howard Stern. Howard Stern. Stern. Yeah. Let me just send that picture to Stern. Did you get the rights to it? <laughs> You'll rip your lungs out, Jim. I'd like to meet his tailor. I feel like the <laughs> Thunderwolves. I feel like they got the image for Hyde from Warren Zevon too, from that 70s show. Well, I could see that. They're like, alright, we want a kid to be like a real sarcastic a-hole, but he's gotta look like Warren Zevon. <laughs> that's so specific. <laughs> no, that's uh, the original. The original. Leonard. With the Lon Chaney. Lon Chaney, yeah. Pina Pina Trader Vicks. Trader Vicks? Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. You can't be knighted. Really? If you're not from the homeland? So how do you get knighted? You can either somehow go to the and get her or You might have a chance with the new queen coming up. Or you can pay 60 grand and they'll knight you for you. Sixty grand. Maybe it's more than that. To be fake knighted? No, it's real knighted. You become a knight. You what do you do? Sir. Kill an inflatable dragon? You get to hang you, out with Paul McCartney. You get to use Ooh, sir. That's pretty cool, actually. It's like, all right, all the knights, let's get together. <laughs> so where are you coming up with sixty k? Well, I mm. might go the lord route first because you can become a lord if you just buy a little square piece of land. See, I could see, I could see that Lord Justin dead. Mm. It would work. Lord Justin of the dead. <laughs> yeah. Here he comes, Lord Justin of the dead. Bring out your dead. Or if you turn into like a plague victim, it'd be like, oh, there's dead Justin. <laughs> there he is over there, sitting there, rotting away. Sculpt the scavy. Just make sure they call me Lord. That's all that matters. <laughs> hey, thank you for listening to the other channel. Chinese. You got a strong Chinese accent. Ooh, do Getty Lee. I was told no I was told no sound no voices. Two seconds. Remember when, when Steve put in his resume for the show and it said voice man right on it he gave us his business card voice I'm man do an impression of a shark go ahead i'm not your fucking puppet i don't know how to do voices thank you for yeah. listening to the under channel don't forget our episodes release every friday you can listen to it on your favorite listening platforms and don't forget to follow us on social medias done good night <laughs> steve out steve man of a thousand voices <laughs> <laughs>